when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Well, hello, everybody. How are you doing on this Friday afternoon? At least that's when I'm recording this is on a Friday afternoon. And for a variety of reasons, I'm not able to record where I normally do. So I'm sitting at my dining room table and directly across from me is like the creepiest Rapunzel life-size doll. Yes, life-size. I don't mean life-size to what Rapunzel probably was, is not a real person uh, in real life, but I'm like the size of my daughter. She got a life-size doll and it happens to be sitting at the dining room table today. And it's been freaking me out all day as I come around the corner. So I'm podcasting um, with company today. (laughs) Oh, the joys of being a mom. Well, I hope your year is going fabulously so far. Mine is 2020 is just awesome. And I'm just totally loving every moment of it so far. And Fridays are my podcasting days and my date night with my husband. And so all that to say that life is good. And I hope that it is good for you too, my friends. Thank you so much for the reviews that continue to come in for my book From Hostage to Hero. If you haven't reviewed it yet, please do so at Trial Guides. And if you haven't gotten it yet, you can also get it at Trial Guides or go to fromhostagetohero.com. I'm really interested more in what you think about it than, you know, making you want to buy a copy. I mean, I'm happy when people buy it, but I just really want to keep the conversation going, which is what this podcast is all about. We're also going to be starting a new newsletter uh, in the next couple of weeks that is going to be much more focused uh, around the book and with some video content and some fun things for you. So be on the lookout for that. If you're not on our mailing list, you want to make sure to get on there and go to fromhostagetohero.com and you can do that there. All right. Well, today we are talking about the saboteur. And those of you who don't know what the saboteur is, of course, all my clients do because we talk about the saboteur quite a bit. It's just another name for your inner critic, that voice in your head that is constantly telling you that you are too stupid to get it right, that if you did manage to get a win at trial, it was only because you were lucky or it'll never happen again or whatever, whatever, whatever. It doesn't even have to be trial related. It could be about anything. It could be about your weight. It could be about the fact that you're still single. It's that incessant voice in our heads and everybody has one. And the reason why I want to talk about it today is because until and unless you get to the point where you know how to deal with your saboteur, and many of us have many saboteurs, most of us do, uh, but one big main one, until you can get to the point where you know how to manage that, I really don't believe you can find happiness and success in life and in your career. Because the saboteur and allowing the saboteur to run your life, which is quite honestly how most people live their lives, has the ability to run everything off the rails. 
And so to get control of the saboteur is a really important goal for you. And before I get going, I just want to give a caveat that this is something a coach can really help you with. And I highly recommend coaching. I was just saying on um, the Trial Lawyer Nation podcast that I did this morning, I'm very honored to be the only time they've had a guest on twice, um, the first one to do that. And I was talking on that podcast this morning about how I just started the Badass Coaching Program for Women, advertised it, we sold it out in two weeks, and I've got nine women lined up to start next week, a six-month program with me of learning trial skills, yes, but basically learning how to get out of their own way. And when they all had to interview to be uh, accepted into the program, and when I was doing those interviews, I was just amazed by the fact that none of these professional women, who many who are advanced in their careers, have never had a coach. And I'm, I'm assuming that that's pretty true amongst all of you, is that coaching is not something that you have ever had experience in. I'm, I'm glad to hear those of you who have, have had a coach because I think that coaching is quite literally what is going to save the world. And that's why several years ago, after working in this world and in this work for so many years, I recognized that my skill set was not complete. And I went back and got my coaching classes done. And um, because it's so important, I believe, in my work with you as trial attorneys, and that's what a big part of this podcast is, as you might have noticed, we've got coachy type podcasts like today, and we've got skill podcasts um, like various weeks. And I really do think success lies in being able to access both because skills on their own are not enough. They're just not enough. And so let me just, before we go into the saboteur, let me just give those of you who don't know what coaching is and have always wondered about this thing called life coaching, which is really an old term for this. What what would I mean by coaching? Normally when we hear the, the term coach, we think of sports coaching, and that's actually a really great analogy to use here in that coaching is like a football coach. They are there to help you strategize and play your best game out on the field. So I have a few VIP clients and I I function for them as their their person who's going to help them play their best version of life, okay? That's my role. I don't tell them how to live their lives. I do not give advice. That's not what coaches do. I do not um, force them to be accountable or any of those things. What I do as a coach is I provide a place for them to find their own answers. I continue to help them forge new neural pathways, which we're gonna talk about today, so that they can continue along the path that they, and not me, have decided that they want to be on. But so many people don't even know what that path is until they come to coaching. Now, if we continue with the football analogy, you can think about therapy versus coaching like this. If you're out on the field and you break your leg, you don't go to your football coach, you go to a therapist. And so therapy and coaching can be very similar, but in general, therapy tends to do a lot more with healing something and and looking at the injury and processing it and why maybe it happened and and spending a lot of time in that space. Coaching is really all about here 
into the future. Therapy is a lot of looking into the past. And of course, do does therapy talk about here and future? Yes. And do we oftentimes look at things in the past in coaching? Also, yes. But it's much more active. It's much more of an equal relationship between the coach and the client. And coaching and therapy are also different from consulting. Consulting, which is where I spent most of my career, and I'm still in consulting, obviously, is where I'm the expert. And I am the one that delivers information, for example, on group dynamics or on presentation skills, so on and so forth. So I function as both a coach and a consultant. And the reason why I'm talking about this now is because working with the saboteur and working on changing your thought patterns, you can absolutely do that on your own. Do not get me wrong but you have such a better chance of really getting a handle on this if you get a coach. And I'm happy for anyone who wants to reach out to give you names of coaches that I really respect and admire. One of them being my husband, who just has a couple of slots uh, open on his calendar. But beyond Kevin and I, uh, we know a lot of coaches that can help you. And I believe coaching is what trial lawyers need. I believe it's what all people need. And you'll see why as we go through the podcast today. All right, so here's the thing about the saboteur. The first thing on our saboteur education is that the problem with the saboteur is that most people don't recognize that they have one. Meaning, when we hear that voice, when we hear the per- the person, the voice, the thing saying, you're so stupid, why'd you say that again? I can't believe you made that mistake. How'd you lose trial again? Oh, you won trial, well, you probably lose the next one. Whatever that voice is, we don't recognize it as an other. We think that that is us. And that, my friends, is so incredibly dangerous. Because the more we identify and not separate from the saboteur, which is what I'm going to help you do today, the more we start to have our self-hatred, we start to lose our self-trust, we, start, we stop risking things. Because how could we? When this voice is constantly in our head, how could we move beyond that? It's, it's nearly impossible. And I've seen people absolutely crippled by their saboteurs. And if they're not crippled, then there's a lot of buffering or hiding or distracting um, themselves from their saboteur. If you go back to the, the podcast I did on pain, when we are refusing to look at our pain or be with our pain, we do a lot of things to escape it. And that's the same with the saboteur. We overdrink, we overeat, we overisolate. Um, we have risky behaviors. We, we are busy because that helps us distract us from the present moment, whatever it may be. So not identifying your saboteur as an other can be really dangerous because then we go through life thinking that's our voice and it's not. Now we could spend some time talking about how saboteur voices get developed and oftentimes they are the voice of, you know, I do this work with my clients, they're the voice of a former teacher that said something and that's that's stuck with us forever or a parent 
or an ex uh, of some kind or whatever. Who knows? I mean, a lot of this could be evolutionary, meaning from the very earliest moments, our saboteur helped us by saying, you know, when you stick your hand in the fire, you're going to get burned. So don't fucking do that again. Right? So wherever the saboteur voice is, they're not so, they're not so, it's not so important to figure out where they came from. Again, therapy can really help with that. And when we're in coaching, we don't spend a lot of time looking at where these voices came from. Our whole point in coaching is, and my point in the podcast today is to help you manage that voice versus try to figure out why you have one in the first place. Just know that everybody has a saboteur, everybody. And as I said, many of us have more than one saboteur. So as I was saying on the Trial Lawyer Nation uh, podcast this morning, when Michael Cowan asked me, how do we change our thoughts? And I said, you know, it's kind of the same way of how we change our body language. The number one thing when anyone comes to me and says, you know, I want to be non-verbally excellent. I want to increase my non-verbal intelligence. Sorry, what's the first step? The first step always is to become intimately aware of what you're non-verbally communicating in the first place, which means videotaping yourself and watching it back, which most people avoid like the plague. But here's the difference between really successful people and people who are not successful is that they are willing to do that. They are willing to look at that and learn their nonverbal patterns because that is the only way you can change them. Meaning if you don't know all the weird nonverbal shit that you're doing, you have absolutely zero chance of being able to change it. So it's really important you become aware of what it is you're communicating as the first step. Now, the same can be said and the same is true of your saboteur voice. Your first job to to be able to separate from that voice and to recognize it's not you, it's not your true voice, is awareness. You have to know what it is you're saying and pull it out of your brain and in front of you and look at it to start to separate from it, to start to see it as this other thing. Now, When I say that, when I work with clients, when I podcast on that, whatever the case may be, I constantly get pushback on that because we don't want to do this, do we? I mean, yeah, we live with those voices in our head all day long, but man, to actually look at that and have to be with that and see it on a piece of paper, we we don't want to do that. In fact, just yesterday, I had a coaching client uh, email me and say, before I uh, we have our next session, I would l- like to make sure that we talk about something specific. And he mentioned the saboteur. I mean, he didn't call it the saboteur. He said, I've got this persistent voice that constantly is telling me that even if I win, I, it was just because I was lucky. And I want to learn how, what did he say? I want to learn how to stop it. I want to learn how to get away from that. I want to I learn how to end that. And here's the problem, my, my friends. You can't get rid of the saboteur. Oh, that's bad news. And I waited about 15 minutes to tell you that in the podcast. But you can't get rid of it. It's going to be with us until the day we die. So what you can do is learn how to manage it. In fact, those of you who listen to this podcast, I know who you are, many of you, because you've reached out. And I love it when I hear from you on Facebook Messenger or in the From Hostage Hero uh, book or in emails. Thank you so much for those. I really, really do enjoy hearing from you. So don't 
feel be afraid that you're being a stalker. Um, in fact, I feel like, you know, I haven't made it until I actually get a stalker. Joking. Don't stalk me. Um, but I, the ones that I know that have reached out who listen to this podcast, you are looking to be exceptional. And I'm telling you right now that this is, this is the key. This is one of the keys. It's if it's not the main key. So the first step in being able to manage your saboteur. So let's be clear, not get rid of your saboteur, but manage your saboteur. The first step is you have to increase your awareness about who that is and what it looks like and what it sounds like and become intimately aware. Because if you become aware of the saboteur and what it sounds like, now you can recognize it. When it happens, you can go, wait a minute, that's the saboteur. You can start to separate yourself from it. And that is really freeing. Even though we can't get away from it, if we can separate from it, we've done a really good work. Now, there are a couple ways you can do that. For me, particularly, I have two ways. Well, I say three ways. Um, the first way is kind of a passive way of, of dealing with that voice, and that is morning pages. And if you've been a fan of mine for a long time, you know I've talked about morning pages all the time. Morning pages is from Julia Cameron's The Artist Way, which was written about 30 or 40 years ago. And it became this treatise really on how to help artists who are blocked, meaning they've stop being able to create, how to get them being creative again. And then it just grew from there to where all kinds of people are using Artist Way. In fact, I think I just heard from someone that Bill Barton, who I adore here in Oregon, uh, teaches attorneys to do morning pages and does them himself. So go Bill. Um, so here's what morning pages is. It's actually quite simple. You just, the first thing in the morning. So for me, I get up and I go and I sit out in the living room and I set the coffee brewing and why it's brewing. I take about 15 to 20 minutes to do this. You just write longhand, eight and a half by 11 pages, or I use those little composition books. So I'm not sure they're exactly eight and a half by 11, but you can get the gist. You just write longhand three pages of whatever the hell is in your head. I mean, you just empty it on the page and you would just not believe some of the stupid shit that comes out in my morning pages. And that is the entire point. You are not writing because you're trying to write. You're not even journaling, which we're going to talk about in a minute. You are just emptying out the contents of your head into the page. It's like a bowel movement for your brain. <laughs> okay. I know as Kevin produces this podcast, he's going to love that line, but that's really what it is. It's just getting this shit literally out of your head. Okay. That's ex incredibly freeing. Now, I rarely go back and read those. So in terms of, you know, identifying the saboteur voice, in in that way it won't be as helpful. But when you see that you're you're writing the same things over and over again every day, that's where you're going to start building some awareness. But that really brings us to journaling, which is another way, which is a much more thoughtful way to handle um thoughts of any kind, a saboteur or otherwise, which is where you have the same kind of thing, notebook, journal, you know, those fancy leather ones you guys all can afford. Um, and you just sit down and you just, just write about something that's bothering you and what the thoughts are in your head. I mean, sometimes I'll just say, what's bothering me right now? And it's much more thoughtful. I'm, I'm not writing uh, and moving my hand across the page for eight, for three pages until I'm done. I'll write, I'll consider another thought will come up and I'll write it down again. That's a real, a real, real 
great way as well to get to know some of the stuff that's in your head. I, I Again, just like so many of you have not been coached, I can't believe how many of you don't journal. I mean, journaling is a great way to separate the thought. You guys just carry these thoughts in your head all the time. You know, people call you big headed and they think that that means arrogant. <laughs> I'm going to say it means all the shit that you keep in your head and you never give yourself an outlet. And if you do, it's something like buffering, like drinking or drugs or whatever else. Dudes, dudettes, give your brain a break. Get this stuff out on the page. You don't have to be a writer. It doesn't have to be a fancy journal. Just get it out there and take a look at it. Sometimes you'll be shocked at the things you're thinking about yourself and saying about yourself. You can use a journal prompt right now. Open up a page and just say, these are the things I think about myself. And let her rip. No one's going to read it. And just see the way that you talk to yourself. Now, that brings us to the second way, which is really the third way because I said I had three ways to deal with it. But this is number two in terms of my three ways to help you deal with a saboteur. You can do a model on the saboteur thought. So those of you who've heard me talk about Brooke Castillo before, she's the Life Coach School podcast. Highly recommend her podcasts. She has developed what's called the model, and it's the CTFAR model. So the C stands for circumstance. The T stands for thought. The F stands for feeling, the A stands for actions, and the R stands for result. And her premise is this, whatever you put in the T line determines what the R line is, meaning whatever you're thinking will produce a feeling which will cause you to take action or inaction, which will get you your result. Your R line, she says, is never, ever an accident. It is always due to something you're thinking. The C line is circumstance. That's always neutral. So for example, if we put in there, I lost at trial, you might think that's not neutral, but it is. It's just a fact. They awarded uh, nothing to you and went with the other side. That is just a fact in and of itself, okay? You have control from everywhere, everything on. You can choose to think a saboteur thought, which is, well, I suck as an attorney, because that's probably what your, your saboteur is saying. Or put the circumstance line, say, I won at trial. Saboteur can still be in there. Thought line could be, well, I just got lucky, like the client who emailed me the other day. But recognize that that thought then creates a feeling. So if it's, I just got lucky, the feeling is now of anxiousness and panic. God, I got to be able to reproduce this again. I don't know if I'll be able to reproduce this again if it's in a win. Or if it's loss right? And I suck as an attorney, then the feeling is depression and despair. And notice how those feelings are going to inform your actions. You know, what actions do you take from those places is a really great question to ask yourself. Uh, I'll be doing a podcast coming up called What's Fueling You, which we'll be talking about this in, in a little bit more depth. But those actions that come from those feelings are not ever very good. Now, when we're coming from panicked, anxious place, we're going to get panic, panicked, anxious results. And when you're coming from a place of despair and depression, you're going to probably go to inaction. You're going to probably settle more cases, ones you could have taken to trial because you're so afraid. And then what's your result? Your result is you, you become less and less of a trial attorney because you're no longer playing the game. So you can do what we call an intentional model. And I do these every day, by the way. So every day when I write about my day at the end of the day, I'll just pick a circumstance, something that happened that day, and I'll do the, un the unintentional model. 
the the saboteur thoughts. And guess what? I always have one every day because <laughs> you never let this uh, get set the saboteur to go away. And I'll just kind of follow that along and see what happened. And then I'll say, here's what I can think instead. And I'll do an intentional model. So for example, um, if something uh, happened and I had a negative thought about it, and then I started feeling bad about it, and then I did something about that or didn't do something about it, and I got a shitty result, I would go and I would do my intentional model. Circumstances the same, but then I would say, here's what I want to, I'm going to choose to think about this. And every time I do the model, that produces a different result. I'm sorry, a different feeling. And then that says, you know, I could choose different actions from that place. Cool. What, re- what result could I get from that? So it's really great for you to see kind of how your brain went down the left side, which is the unintentional, and how you can take control and go down the right side. Because this is really what we're talking about is creating new neural pathways. Notice I said I do that every day. Why? I am training my brain to say, I get to choose the thoughts here. Not that the other thoughts won't come up, but I get to choose which ones I'm going to play with. Like you can be offered all kinds of food at a buffet. That doesn't mean you have to eat all of it. You get to decide which ones you're going to eat. It's the same with your thoughts, but we don't think that way, do we? We just think whatever bullshit thought goes in our head that that's, that's just how it is today. Nope. What we're doing, especially in coaching, is helping you rewire your brain, literally create new pathways because the old pathways, the saboteur pathways have been well-worn over time. So that's why the brain goes there so fast. That's why they come up so quickly. It's going to take practice for you to continually go over new ways of thinking, new ways of, of considering. And that's what a coach helps you do. And you can do this on your own if you just do it an intentional model every day. So take anything that's happened in your life. You can practice. And here's how you do it. On one, on one side of the paper, write C-T-F-A-R and write in your circumstance that happened that day. So it could be, I got in a fight with my wife. Okay. And then go throughout how, what happened. What did you think when that happened? Or my wife did X. What did you think when she did that? Well, she shouldn't have done it. She should have done it my way. She should have asked me first, whatever it might be. And then you go to your feeling line. And so that, what did you feel like? And then what actions did you take? Well, I yelled at her or we got in a fight or started an argument. And what result did you get? Well, now I'm sitting in the living room by myself while she's holed up in the, in the bedroom. Okay. Then on the right side, rewrite CTFAR. The circumstance is the same. My wife did X. Okay. Now, notice the circumstance has to be neutral. You can't be like, my, my wife is a bitch or my husband is, is a dick, okay? It's got to be something neutral. Like, you know, any judge would look at it and be like, all right, that's a fact, all right? So then you can say, I'm choosing to think this. Now, by the way, you don't have to totally believe that thought right now. This is brain work. We are training our brain. Your brain may rebel against that. It may fight. It most likely will fight against it. Let it have its temper tantrum. But you're saying, I could choose to, to, to think this instead. And if I chose to think that, I would feel this. Because almost always a different feeling will arise in your body right there in that moment. And if I feel that way, what could, action could I take? It could be, I could go and apologize to my wife. I could go explain, you know, why I got so upset. Whatever it may be. And what result might I get? Closer marriage. End the fight. Whatever it may be. If you do this every day, you'll start to rewire your brain about everything. 
Now, the third way that you can deal with a saboteur. So the first one is first you create awareness around it. The second one is you take some control over those thoughts by literally rewiring your brain. And the third one is to recognize it as a sign. We tend to think of the saboteur voice as this terrible thing that we want to run away from. So that's why, again, we do all the buffering activities or we don't want to be with it. We don't want to write about it. We just want to push it to the back of our head because those thoughts are painful. And what I want to do is reframe that for you is when you hear the saboteur voice, especially when you hear it a lot and it starts to scream at you, take that as a sign that you are on to something big. Because the saboteur pretty much just kind of stays quiet when you are living a small life, when you are not risking, when you are not showing up as your big badass self. But when you start to change, when you start to rewire your brain, when you start to take risks in trial, when you start to get a little more confidence, your saboteurs will be like, no, 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 we're not going to go there. Remember, you're not that person. Don't go there. That's scary. Don't do that. And so like I said to my client who emailed me, I said, listen, our job isn't to end this or stop this voice. Our job is to look at this voice and recognize it as a sign that you are on to something big. When your saboteur is screaming at you and all over your shit, that means you're getting close to a breakthrough. That means you're about to do something amazing and your saboteur doesn't want you to do it. Not because your saboteur doesn't want you to succeed. I mean, your saboteur is a part of you. It's that part of you that kept you safe all those years ago. Part, it's the part that never evolved. And so you're going to have to say, I hear you and I'm choosing not to think that. I'm going to continue because I know I've got this. I'll know I'll be okay. Even if I fail, I know I'll be okay. Because here's the thing. If you guys and gals, trial attorneys listening right now, if you collectively as a group recognized your greatness and owned the hell out of that shit, we would decimate the defense bar in the next six months. The problem isn't that you don't have enough knowledge. The problem isn't that you don't have enough trial experience. The problem isn't that you don't have enough whatever which is what I see you all doing, flying to CLE to CLE and buying the books and do, and you're just frantic because you don't think you're enough. That's not the problem. The problem is you're so amazing that you're scared to recognize it. And your saboteur is saying, don't recognize it. Because if you recognize this, it may cause things to explode. That's the problem. The saboteur wants to keep you away from recognizing how amazing you are. And I know you're amazing because I see it every day in my work. The only problem you have is you don't see it. And your saboteur doesn't want you to see it. Because when you see it, and when you get it, and when you own it, things are fucking going to change. So are you ready to manage the hell out of the saboteur? You can't get rid of it and recognize it. As for what it is, a warning sign that you're about to have a breakthrough? Because once you realize that, then all the skills, then all the CLEs, then all the books are going to make sense. Then they're all going to fall into place. But when you're coming at that from a different energy, which we're going to talk about in a future podcast, none of that's going to benefit you. It's all wasted time. Deal with the saboteur first. Contact me if you want to coach. Got lots of names for you. And have a fantastically wonderful, awesome Friday, my friends. 
That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sorry Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sorry's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today, and until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.